This week's episode of Trek Geeks is brought to you by Fansets, the place for amazing pin collectibles. They have over 150 officially licensed Star Trek pins to choose from with new pins coming out every month. See all the pins and collectibles they have to offer at fansets.com and stay tuned for this week's special Trek Geeks discount code. Fansets, we are Star Trek. This week's episode of Trek Geeks is also brought to you by Eagle Moss in the official Star Trek Starships collection. You can bring home the Enterprise D from Star Trek The Next Generation for only $4.95 when you sign up today at st-starships.com slash trekgeeks. We are the Borg, and you are listening to the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. You will listen. Resistance is futile. You must comply. Review office at Podfleet Command. It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant, your independent Star Trek podcast. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Trek Geeks. We're very excited you're here. You know, it's getting to be the end of the year. We're winding down our celebration of Deep Space Nine's 25th anniversary, and we <laughs> I haven't introduced you yet. Stop that. And <laughs> and we bring you a another fan favorite. And, of course, I don't mean my co-host because he's not exactly a fan favorite um, to anyone. You know, if they decide to recast the role of Ruck in Star Trek Discovery, he's got it locked down this week. We had an impromptu week off uh, this past week because he was under the weather. And he's uh, he's feeling slightly more human or perhaps more android than he was before. But he's the, uh, the, the largely sickly Dan Davidson. Dan, welcome back, buddy. I hope you're feeling better. I am more complex than Brown, and it is very good to be here. Thank you, uh, Bill. Uh, apologies for the week off last week. Uh, I was very under the weather, probably suffering the worst cold I've had in, in decades. But uh, back today because, uh, you know, you got to do what you got to do, and I'm, and I'm happy to be here because we've got a great, fun-filled episode this week with uh, some great discussion and a great guest as well as we discuss Deep Space Nine Season 6 See it or skip it, bring it on, and we got a pretty good friend with us here today too, Bill. Well, you jumped right to the the episode topic, and uh, I feel like now I, I missed the the opportunity to to tell people we were on Mission Log Live uh, this ah. past week. So if they didn't get their Trek Geeks fix, <laughs> they can listen to us with John Champion, the champion of Johns, over on Mission Log Live talking about Star Trek Discovery's The Brightest Star short trek. But yes, Dan, we do have a special guest and friend and admin and, and brother in Trek for the full hour. You see oh, what I did there? 
I like that. You, you're so good at that. And and I do want to thank John uh, as, as I step back for a moment and talk about what you just said. Had a great time over there uh, on Mission Log Live. Always a good uh, discussion when we when we break bread with John. Had a good time. Lots of fun and lots of laughs. So uh, thanks to everybody over there at the Roddenberry Podcast Network. But here uh, there at Trek Geeks, there, I had bread. I had I bread. I had bread. Well, I guess you aren't as important. But uh, that's okay. I, I'm calling my f- agent oh no, i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> well you, you mentioned it just a second ago uh, uh bill he is uh he's a great trek fan he is an unbelievable good friend and he's an okay uh admin uh, over at camp kittimer so uh we are welcoming uh this gentleman back for his second theater skip it and i think he has uh the distinction of being the only person to hold that title if i'm not mistaken uh, at this point, anyway. So, welcome back, Dan Garcia. It is great to have you back here, buddy. Well, I appreciate being back here, and I know I hounded you guys for a good six months, saying, "Please let me be on uh, season six. Please let me be Please. on season six. Please." And uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> I this is my favorite season of Trek out of all the uh track iterations so i i couldn't resist just hounding you guys and i appreciate you allowing me to be here well well you you are the 27th best admin at camp kittimer now i'm and, not a 27th uh, it's, it's a it's, it's a moving scale i mean <laughs> you know, uh, i don't know what to tell you it's the voice of the people and uh, it's a joy to have you here buddy it's uh i, I think you're going to be surprised by the outcome today <laughs> Mm, I hope not. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta say, man, I, I'm very excited to have you here. You know, when somebody comes on for their last appearance on a show, it always is a special <laughs> one. So let's really just kill it today, man. <laughs> I feel the love. <laughs> can you feel it? Y- yes. Uh, not enough to bust out in a song, but I can feel it. Well, uh, Dan Prime, you know what else that we can feel is... The need and want for people to get in touch with us to give us their see it or skip it picks. How might they get those messages to us, my friend? Well, it's very easy to do. Uh, just right, head right on over to trekgeeks.com slash contact. And there you're going to find a variety of ways to get in touch with either Bill or myself. You know, you can leave us a voicemail. You can Skype chat us. You can fill out that contact form and type us out a personalized message. Or to make things easier, we have a big blue button on the right-hand side of the website. You can click on that and just leave us a message with your very own mellifluous voice using SpeakPipe. And don't forget, the place to be on Facebook these days is the official Trek Geeks Camp Kittimer website. I screwed that up completely because I'm reading ahead, but that's okay. You all know what it is. Bring your Trek talk, your Trek picks, and your Trek love over to the site and join almost 1,300 other Star Trek fans to talk all things Trek. Every Friday, you're going to get the Friday Commute Celebration where Bill and I do our weekly lip sync, especially for our campers. It's very easy to join the group. Just head right on over to Facebook.com Facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer and be ready to be part of a truly wonderful social experience. And as always, we have to thank our wonderful admins, Heather and Jackie, for the amazing job that they do (laughs) over at the camp. And Dan, too. Just playing with you, buddy. Uh, But please remember that any comments or messages you leave us in any of these places may be used in a future episode. And that 
is the equation. You are the old one. Thank you. I I actually am. That's kind of I'm funny. Just recording. You're the old man, old man. Uh, I just want to say thank you, uh, Mr. Davidson, for <laughs> screwing up the uh, yeah. English. It so I don't feel as bad later on. I mean, you broke that seal. Yeah. Every week I break the seal, man. I got more broken seals on the floor than a winery. Yeah. Usually he does it within the first two seconds of the podcast. So he's at least uh, extending his average today. But uh, it was it was bound to happen at some point, Mirror Dan. Yeah. So I won't feel bad later on because I'm going to totally screw up once or twice. <laughs> So, Bill, here we are in the final days before Christmas, and uh, we hope that all our listeners have stopped over at fansets.com to get some great Star Trek pins, as well as others like Harry Potter, DC Universe, Alien, Firefly, and maybe even some other genres thrown in there. That's right, Dan. And, of course, this is the part where I come in because I'm prepared. Fansets has over 150 Star Trek pins to choose from, and including five new ones for the month of December, like the Klingon Vorcha class attack cruiser, Captain Pike from Season 2 of Star Trek Discovery, the Duras sisters, Lursa and Bator, and, of course, Dan, the first ever holiday pin, one that I'm very excited about, Santa Gorn. In fact, that lovely little reptile is on his way to me as we speak. I mean, plus, I mean... They have a bunch of other genre pins available all month, so be sure to check out fansets.com for all the details. Uh, Mr. Garcia, I know that you're a huge Fansets fan. That should be a thing, hashtag Fansets fan. Mm. Um, and uh, I know that you've you've become quite the collector yourself. Yes. Uh, in fact, I run a RPG game for Star Trek, and believe it or not, it is very difficult to find miniatures for Star Trek that are detailed. So yeah. we actually use fan sets pins as our miniatures. We got the little nice. glass bases, and we put their little ranks on there. I got little gold pips. We put it on the front of the base, and then we put the pin into the base, and we use that as our miniatures for all our crew. That is oh. awesome. They're, Lou they're and John are going to love to hear that. They're not just collectibles, people. They actually have working jobs now. That is pretty <laughs> awesome. And, you know, um, as a special bonus to Trek Geeks listeners, if you'd like to receive 15% off your entire order at fansets.com this week, any pin or accessory for any genre, simply enter the word Benny at checkout. That's all capitals, no spaces, B-E-N-N-Y. This code will be available until midnight on Monday, December 24th, so don't delay. Fansets is pinpoint accuracy. And of course, we thank our friends at Fansets for sponsoring this week's episode. Gents, we reconvene once again in the fan favorite topic of see it or skip it. And of course, this time we're going to focus on the penultimate season of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, season six. It's one I'm very excited to tackle. I'm looking forward to hearing what you boys have to say about it. Um, Mr. Garcia, we know it's it's from what you mentioned earlier. It's it's one of your favorite seasons of of Trek. What is it that that makes it stand out for you, season six? Well, well, first is the Defiant doing its it's what it was designed to do. But I, Deep Space Nine is my favorite series, as we've already discussed. The biggest reason is I think it's the probably the season and the 
series that best handles what I think Trek would be really in space. And, you know, having people that may not agree with you, but yet you still handle uh, your relationships, unlike like TOS that forces everybody into what they want, and T- even TNG to a point. So the, the particular about this one is we'll get to In the Pale Moonlight, as you guys have already discussed, and uh, as to why, to me, it's the best episode of Trek ever. Ever. Spoiler alert. All right. I love it. Mr. Davidson, what about you? What is it about season six that uh, that you enjoy? I gotta I gotta agree with Dan on the on the on what Star Trek would be like in space. You know, I've I've always been very impressed with the fact that the special effects with Deep Space Nine have never gotten old to me, even after 25 years. And this final arc of the Dominion War over this season and next season, there's a lot of space battles going on. There's a lot of exterior shots. And I've always been very impressed with what they've been able to do. But on top of that, the storyline with this Dominion War, you know, we've talked about how this is not people have always complained that this is dark Star Trek and this isn't this isn't what Gene would have wanted. Well, you know what? I think it's some of the best Star Trek that we've ever seen because it's different and because the storyline is not all unicorns and rainbows and and i think that the writing staff was able to do a magnificent job with with portraying this this star trek that we're not used to and it comes off brilliantly what about you man i I have to agree with all of that i mean i enjoy season six because there are some rock solid amazing episodes in this season you know you've got the the sort of six part arc that starts the season uh, or it's kind of like a mini arc because, you know, it, it's a, a segment of the Dominion War. But then you've got other episodes in this season that that just blow you away and are some of the best hours of Star Trek ever produced. So I, I think in that regard, there is a lot of there's a lot of quality and, and a lot of amazing writing and acting that goes on during the season, which is why I think it 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 is be the favorite of a lot of fans, quite honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So, gents, here's how it's going to work. For those of you who haven't listened to too many of these theater skippets and you're clearly only here for Dan Garcia, Garcia is going to shepherd us through the season. He's going to essentially read a description of the episode and then decide which one of us, Dan or me, goes first to decide whether we would see this episode or skip it and then why. And then he's going to chime in himself. And then after that, I will have the results of Camp Kittimer. Uh, by the way, before I go for any forward or any more forward, I haven't had enough coffee yet. Hey, hey uh, I'm not the only one who screws up English huge i didn't screw up english i just screwed up what i was saying uh it was still very much english unlike you spook um huge thanks sincere thanks to debbie moltisanti and cam kittimer for pulling together the camp kittimer vote every single episode um season six was the most respondents we've had in one of these polls and it was just fantastic so i'm looking forward to seeing how how the camp votes you know in the theater skip it and uh, and such. But Mr. Garcia, from here on in, the reins are yours, my friend. Use them judiciously. Well, since I have trouble making hard decisions, I'm just going to go bounce between <laughs> you and Dan as to who goes first, unless you have a reason to go first. No, no, whatever you want, buddy. It's all you. So I will pick my older brother. Dan we'll start with you but uh, I'm going to give you the briefing a time to stand three months into the war Deep Space Nine is still under Dominion control Cisco and his crew are given a mission to destroy a vital Ketracel white facility 
deep in Dominion space using a captured Jem'Hadar ship. Well, uh, this is a phenomenal start to season six. It is a see it through and through. Uh, there's lots of action. Um, there's lots of drama. And there's lots of great Star Trek. So I think it's a great way to get things started for the season. You know, Deep Space Nine is 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 not in a good spot. Um, the crew's not in a good spot. They're in a ship that they don't really understand. Uh, I thought it was I thought it was uh, a great way to start the season, Bill. I have to agree 100. percent This is an absolute see it. You know, one of the things that Deep Space Nine does really well are, are season finales and season premieres. And season six is no exception. Uh, I, I love where this goes. I love that this creates this little mini arc at the start of the season with, you know, trying to reestablish control of Deep Space Nine. And uh, it could not get off to a better start. So for me, Mr. Garcia, absolute see it all the way. I agree. I could not see starting season six without watching this episode. The thing that stands out on uh, for me on this episode is out of all the treks, even even in TNG when they started a cliffhanger series, they were still at a place that they were comfortable with doing something that may be uncomfortable, but they're you know the sh- they're on a comfortable ship, they're in with a comfortable crew, everything's going as best as possible for a bad situation. This season starts up and they are in a bad situation on something they're not comfortable with, doing something they didn't really want to do, but they have to. And it just throws everything off sideways compared to other seasons that had started in previous Star Trek iterations. Uh, I think Cam Kittimer is right there with all of us. 98.8% mm. of respondents in the poll said they would see this episode. Uh, only one lone person said skip it, which I am stunned by. Um uh, I mean, you know, everybody's favorite is somebody's least favorite, but uh, 98, almost 99% is pretty amazing for this episode. Damn it, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> Your mouse slipped. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, I suppose we continue on to episode two. Rocks and Shoals. Cisco and his tired crew crash on a planet where they encountered a band of Jem'Hadars and Bill. Well, you know, I, I, this one absolutely for me as a see it, I think the best aspect of this episode itself is the Dominion angle and that horrible, horrible Vorta. Uh, I can't stand that guy. He is just so slimy and, uh, and ingratiating and, ooh. Um, but it, th- I think there's a lot here to digest. You know, this is the beginning of a, of a great middle act. And it's nice to see that, you know, um, not everything ends with the ship getting back to the station in in great shape. I mean, they crash land. Dax is hurt. Um, they got to find a way to get through this, and they do. And it's uh, it's not the most pretty of resolutions. So for me, Dan, this one's a see it. Yeah, this is a see it for me. Now, this is going to sound a little weird, but if you take out two episodes in this season, which could be considered two of the best episodes of Star Trek in in of all time. This might be one of the best episodes of the entire season. Uh, Rocks and Shoals has always been a favorite of mine. The opening sequence when the Jem'Hadar ship is falling through the atmosphere sets you up for a very enjoyable episode. Um, it's a great vision into how ruthless the Dominion can be. As you said, Bill, the the Vorta Kievan, he is the ultimate slimeball. And the um, Jem'Hadar first, Rometaclon, is a 
awesome, respectable warrior. This is one that you just have to see. See the episode. It is the order of things, Dan. This, so for this season, I was not able to watch it live. I was off doing other things. So it upsets me because this is something that I would have appreciated to see when I was doing the uniform. Uh, Because this is an example of sometimes the soldiers respect each other more than the the leaders respect the soldiers. And this this is an example because they're basically your soldiers, your foot soldiers come together and say, you know, I don't have a reason to hate you other than because I'm told to, and they respect each other, even though the management says go and die. And yes, this sleazeball of a Vorta. I, I, I have to see this every time it's on or every time I, I go through the season Skipping this is just a disrespect to this, to me, and to the season itself. Interesting. I I like that perspective. Um, Camp Kittimer is is almost uh, as big a fan of this episode as they were the last one. Ninety five percent of people said they would see this episode. Very good. Um, only a couple of verbatims here. Uh, one person says second best Deep Space Nine episode. See it, which I, I think is interesting. Wow. And then uh, the Vedex protests haunt me. Uh, see it. And I hadn't thought about it in those terms, but I can absolutely understand that. So 95%, a very respectable number. Um, yeah, that's that's fantastic stuff. Episode three, Sons and Daughters. While on General Martok's ship, Worf is reunited with his estranged son, Alexander. Dan. I'm going to keep this one brief. Uh, this is a skip it for me. This is my first skip it. I think this is one of the earliest skip it's uh, in deep space. Nine. I have to go back and look at season one. Um, I, I I'm sorry. I just can't deal with Alexander episodes at this point. Um, that well dried up a long time ago, along with Worf's parenting skills. So yeah, that's just, this is a skip it for me. Just, just simple bill. Well, here comes our first difference of this see it or skip it, Dan, because this one for me is a see it. Um, I actually kind of like this episode because it adds a new layer in the Worf-Alexander relationship, and I think it's the best one, which isn't saying much because it's one of the worst relationships in all of Trek. But there's also the Zial aspect of this episode, which I think is really great in that she finally gets an actual plot of sorts. So for me, I I rather like this episode, and I think it fits in, in the context of the arc, so I would see it. Mirror Dan. I'm on the fence on this one, and and it's a little tidbit thing that puts me on that fence. I'm not a fan of Alexander, but I don't I don't hate on Alexander. Uh, I'm not a fan of Worf's parenting skills, as as the other Dan has stated. What puts me on the fence here is something simple. In timeline wise, Alexander should only be like thirteen. <laughs> I mean, if we go year for year, which the star dates are supposed to be supposed to kind of set it up is year to year. He should only be 13. He looks like he's 22. Uh, nobody established why this is. And it's just a little side thing. It makes me go, you know, I just give me five seconds to explain why he looks like he's 22. So <laughs> uh, <on> DNA. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do they age? Hey, I don't know. So does that make clean or does that make Worf like I don't know, 
19? I, I don't get it. So, yeah, I'm on the fence. And if you put me on a spot, I'm going to say I'm going to skip this one. I think that's fair. It looks like Camp Kittimer would tend to agree. Um, this episode, 74% of people said they would see this episode. And most of the verbatims have stuff to do with uh, Worf and Alexander being terrible. Uh, Worf still a terrible father. Um, uh, could we have left the Worf family drama behind on TNG, maybe? Uh, felt like a Klingon episode simply because there hadn't been one in a while. Those are all skip it comments. However, there's a lot of CZ all scenes, skip Alexander's. Um, there's uh, a lot of those too. Oh, there's one in the see it category that says Alexander might be a bad Klingon, but he's actually interesting now. And I think that uh, for me, I, that actually explains how I feel about the episode. I was never interested in Alexander really before this. So, um, so there you have it. I guess we're on to episode four. Behind the lines cisco creates a risky plan to disable a critical dominion sensor array able to see five sectors out while on Terak nor kira jake rom and odo seek to undermine the cardassian dominion alliance and we'll start with bill thanks i think this one for me is a see it i actually love what this episode means for odo and how it truly shows him in some actual conflict with himself it's just so tense and uneasy and it's great drama all around and uh, and and I really kind of dig it as we sort of come to the end of this little mini arc, Dan. Yes, I agree with you there, Bill. Uh, this is a see it for me. I love the fact that Damar starts to become an important player in this episode, and he does it while he's drunk. So that's kind of cool. Um, I love the tension between Kira and Odo, uh, especially after Odo fails to start that diagnostic that he was supposed to start. And he forgot to because he was getting all goopy with the female changeling. So there's a little <laughs> interesting dynamic there. Um, but I like where this episode goes and I like what happens going forward. So this is what this was a this was a um, instant see it for me. What about you, Dan? Mirror, Dan, Dan, mirror. I enjoy this episode. Uh, it is definitely a see it. I get a little bit disrupted by the whole Odo druggy goopy. I need to be touched like liquid kind of addiction. It kind of bothers me. I mean, he's been with these people and have proven themselves over how many, you know, seasons slash years that they've been on, on the station. And then, he comes liquid and he's all like, yes, I want more. I, it, it, it's a little jarring to me. The rest of it's amazing. And I'm just kind of, it, it, I mean, it upsets me. I mean, at a, at a level that I could get upset about a TV show, that whole situation upsets me. And it kind of, mm. but it's part of the story and it's good. So yeah, totally see it. Camp Kittimer is right there. 96.39% of respondents said that wow. they too would see this episode. Um, not a lot of verbatims on this one because there are so many see it. Um, uh, the one skip it comment th that was left was Cisco relieved of command. Otherwise filler episode, skip it. Interesting. I didn't really see it as a filler, but okay. And the wow. other one uh, on the see it side is damn it. Odo see it. <laughs> which, which pretty much explains how how we feel about Odo in that scene. So um, that is episode four. On to number five. Favor the bold. Learning of thousands of Dominion reinforcements gathering in the Gamma Quadrant, Cisco initiates a plan to retake Deep Space Nine 
and secure the wormhole before the minefield is detonated. Dan. Well, this is also a see it. It's it's pretty incredible that this little six-part mini-arc, this is the penultimate episode in the penultimate season of a series that has an arc of a war. There's a lot of arcs going on here. And I think that this um, part five uh, of the mini-arc is a great setup for the ultimate retaking of the station in the next episode. Spoiler alert. Uh, there's a lot going on in this episode, yet it's very well done. And it's, it's easy to keep uh, in your mind what's going on at all times because it's, it's written brilliantly. So yeah, this is a see it for me, Bill. I agree with you right there. For me, this entire arc so far has been a see it. I wonder how the next one will turn out. Um, but one of the things that Deep Space Nine has done really well over the scope of the Dominion War is to show how epic this war really is. And this episode is absolutely no exception. You know, you know that they're bringing everything they can to retake Deep Space Nine. And, and we're going to see the conclusion of that next week as Dan so spoilerifically dropped on us just moments ago. But um, I, I think you if you're going to watch the next one you have to see this one i don't i don't think you, this is one you can skip in the chronology of these events and and understand what's going on so for me dan mirror dan it's an absolute see it made for the bold is what i consider deep space nine's uh best of both worlds Ooh. but we don't get the three-month break right we get it next week uh to put this much action and this much uh, special effects and this much just awesomeness and then say, hey, by the way, you like this? Come see us next week because we're going to finish it off even better. Without without this, this is like one of those pieces that if uh, episodes, if you don't watch it, it kind of throws off the rest of the season. Like, huh, how did they get back to the station? When did that happen? I didn't, I didn't quite get that. So... Yeah, if you're not watching this episode this season, you're pretty much checking out on the season. Yeah, and Camp Kittimer, guys, 100% of respondents said they would see this episode. It's a unanimous see it across the board. Um, It's very rare in a a non-finale episode in the Theater Skippets to have 100%. So uh, I'm really excited by it. Um, not many verbatims. There's one that says, if nothing else, see it for Kira whooping Damar. Yeah, okay. Hey, whatever. <laughs> and then uh, good good stuff in all plots, which is a bit of an understatement. So uh, 100% boys. I kind of like where this brings us for the next episode. Sacrifice of Angels. Cisco commands the Defiant and 600 Federation ships against a Dominion Cardassian Armada to retake Deep Space Nine. Bill. Oh, Zial. We hardly knew you. Um, this episode almost seems like it could be a season premiere all on its own, going back to Mr. Garcia's best of both worlds uh, comment. Uh, and it, it's just, it's spectacular. You figure you got the Federation ships out number two to one. You got the detonation of the minefield. There's uh, Zial. I mean, there's there's so much packed into these 48 minutes that it's an absolute see it, Dan Prime. Dan Prime here, and uh, what an episode this is. It is a see it. It is so well done. There's so many things to take in with this this uh, conclusion to the mini arc. The battle itself, we talked about the special effects and and the ships and the number of, of things going on in space. You've got Rom. You've got Odo coming back to reality. You've got Zial's death. 
Ducats plunge into the abyss and oh yeah, the Federation returns to DS9. It's all so awesome and oh, it's so worth watching. It's a see it, Meridan. Yeah, Sacrifice of Angels. If if you're 100% in for Favor of the Bold, Favor of the Bold, you're 100% in for Sacrifice of Angels. This is, as stated before, basically the second half of probably the best two-parter for Deep Space Nine. Now, here's where this right here started. What I want to say is my, I liked, really liked Deep Space Nine. This is where it turned into love because this was the first true huge example of saying space is not perfect. We're going to take 600 ships with 30, 40,000, 50,000 pseudo-military people, and we're going to throw them at a situation, and most of them didn't come back. This, compared to other ones, I mean, look at TNG. They had little little crab people that wanted to attack. Oh, there's this great threat. We never heard from them again, and they only affected <laughs> two or three ships. The Borg, <laughs> the, the Borg shows up, and yes, the Borg wiped out a bunch of stuff, but it was like one small fleet. You know, oh, we threw 40 ships at a Borg cube and and 28 of them didn't come back and we lost 10,000 people. We're talking 600 ships and like 550 of them are gone. That that is a is a sacrifice. Not just one person. 50, hashtag, 60,000 of them. Hashtag little crab people. Little crap people. <laughs> and Dan Prime just almost spit out his coffee. <laughs> just almost spit out the coffee, yes. So, so, gentlemen, we have something very rare here in the scope of Camp oh, Kittimer results. I know what's coming. We have back to back unanimous decisions on seeing an episode. The Sacrifice of Angels, 100% of respondents in the Camp Kittimer poll said they would see this episode. Um, the verbatims. Uh, the battle scenes go with the charging of Fort Wagner. See it. Uh, Ducad's pride becomes his undoing. Goodbye, Zial. See it. Uh, Deus Ex Machina, well supported. See it. Uh, Demar comes off as pretty unredeemable. My, how things will change. Spoiler alert. Um, one of the best tricks. See it. Huge turning point. Absolutely must see. I couldn't have said it better myself. So, uh, so there we are. The, the six-part mini arc concluded. I think we lightened things up again in episode seven. You are cordially invited. Worf's plans for a traditional Klingon wedding hinge on Martok's demanding wife, Sorella, accepting Dax into their family, Dan. Um, I'm going to give this one a see it, but a barely, a barely see it for me. I, you know, I want to love this episode, but I, I just don't. And I'm not really sure why. Maybe it's because every other attempt at a relationship at Star Trek has failed on some level. Um, the party's good. I like the Kira and Odo in a closet talking things out. And I like Nog jumping around making scary faces. But the whole Jadzia Sorella thing was a little over the top for me. And it just didn't sit well with me. Still, I'm going to give it a see it for honor's sake. Bill? <laughs> for for honor's sake for um, honor's this sake one, this one for me is a see it i actually love this episode i think it is the perfect downshift after the retaking of the station and i think it's truly hilarious 
Plus, it's nice to see Jadzia, somebody who is always so on top of things, really not get on well with Martok's wife, Cirilla. Um, so I, for me, this episode just works. Uh, it's a see it mirror Dan. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're there. Yes, it's a light. It's, it's supposed to be lighthearted. But let me tell you. It go lighthearted and over the top jokey is two different things. You just lost a bat or you just lost, you know, a small country's worth of people. And so what's the next thing we're going to do? Let's go have a wedding and let's do jokey things and let's make everything so complicated. That doesn't need to be complicated. They could have done a wedding episode with a little bit more pizzazz or a little more, more comfort and a little bit more respectful other than turning literally three quarters of the whole episode into jokey. And I was just like, you know, I, I want to come down on a nice, even slope peak, come down nice, even slope. this was peak Valley. And it was just all the way down. And I was, no, I'm out. I'm out. I can't do it. I have literally skipped this episode more times than I have hair on my head. <laughs> and there's a not lot. a lot of hair on your head there. So wow. <laughs> that's a, that's a lot. Um, Camp Kittimer, a little more favorable on this episode than than perhaps our our special guest geek for the full hour. Uh, 87.95% of respondents said they would see this episode. Um, still a healthy amount of skips, though. Uh, only good part. I've had a vision. Kill Worf. Skip it. <laughs> <laughs> but some of the some of the other verbatims, De- Desperate Housewives of Kronos, see it. Uh, Klingon Monster-in-Law, see it. Uh, that dress, damn see it mm. uh, kill wharf see it <laughs> lots of kill wharf in this i think it's it's <laughs> hilarious um overused trope of the wedding that almost doesn't happen see it anyway that's that's a fair assessment and then the last one i wish i was invited see it that's kind of how i feel i i just i wanted to be there so um what do i know uh, all i know is that episode eight awaits resurrection the mere universe counterpart of Kira's dead love, Vedek Barail, takes her hostage on Deep Space Nine as he is running from the evil alliance of his universe. Bill. <laughs> I've been waiting eight episodes for this. Yes. I have been waiting. So here it is, folks. I don't want to disappoint. Meh. Skip this turd. This is... It, this episode just sucks. Um. Now, with apologies to my my dear brother in Trek who loves the Mirror Universe, this episode is hard to excuse on any level just because it's it's uninteresting. It's 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 a bridge too far. It's it's a mirror universe too far. And um I think they probably could have done something a little more interesting than this this tripe. So um other than that, I've got no strong feelings, Prime Dan. You only give this a meh? This episode is putrid in every single possible definition of what putrid means. And I love the mirror universe. As you just said, this is the easiest skip it I have ever had in any episode of theater skip it since we started this podcast, guys, this episode sucks so bad. Brile is a horrible character in our universe and the mirror universe means that things are supposed to be different. Brile sucks just as bad in the mirror universe as he does in the prime universe. <laughs> I mean, it's, this is a horrible, a horrible. I don't even, I probably like Shakar better than I like Brile. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, <laughs> and Shakar sucks. 
Shakar is like the sore rat of Deep Space Nine, and and Barile, I think, is even worse than him. So apologies <laughs> to Haley, who likes uh, Shakar. This episode is so bad, I can't even talk about it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, I try. I try to find a redeeming quality any place in this episode. And I am not a Vedic Barile fan. I think his character was flat and they tried to make him something like instrumental and he's not. And then they bring him over from the mirror universe, which makes him even less instrumental. It is not good. I, I, but I still don't skip it. Oh, I'm fascinated by that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't say, I'm not going to say it's a, a see it. I, I, I'm not a big fan of the meh thing, but this is the perfect meh for me. The reason being is I think it gives Kira like a little bit of shock to the system. Sure. Her relationship with Odo is starting to go upwards and everything is, is starting to fall into place. What we find out later on. And this kind of diverts it. And in, and in fact, not only does it divert it, I think in a way it reinforces it. It's very strange. I, I there's things plugged in my head that makes this episode work, even though I hate Burrell. I do. So I'll use the quintessential meh. I, I don't I don't generally skip it. I just don't seek it out. I don't wake up in the morning and go, man, season six is amazing, which I start with <gasps> resurrection. No. So, so. <laughs> so so let me get clarification. Since you're being put on the spot, it sounds like you're both see it or skip it, but if you had to choose one, what would you be choosing right now? I since I see it since I have seen it and I know where it falls in here as a repeat I would skip it if I first time going through the season I would probably say see it well I don't, I don't know how we're gonna caveats yeah yeah so. <laughs> yeah I know it's very difficult I know I know so I'm we're sorry. gonna call that we're gonna call that a skip it I think yeah we'll skip it we'll we'll call All it right. a skip it on repeat Smart man yeah, repeat appearances. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I can understand. You know, uh, watching it in general, but I mean, if you were telling somebody, ah, uh, you could skip that one and you'd be fine. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's kind of what I'm hearing from you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I already told you guys I like to stir the pot in the whole situation, so I'll make it difficult. Statistical well, property. Oh, sorry. Well, hold on. We got to do the Camp Kittimer results. Oh, my bad. Uh, you guys will be interested to know that this episode ties for the lowest rated outing of season six with Camp Kittimer. 33.73% of respondents said they would actually watch this turd. Um, um, and in fact, here are some of <laughs> my favorite one. Meh. Skip it. Turd. It skip it. <laughs> Mirror Universe wasted again. Skip it. Uh, just barely for Mirror Kira. See it. Boring Barile. Skip it. Uh, second worst Deep Space Nine episode. Skip it. Uh, Barile now even more dull. Skip it. <laughs> Here, here's one. We get it. There's a mirror. Deep Space Nine. Skip it. <laughs> so, so Bill, you said that was thirty three percent said to see it. Yes, that's thirty three percent too high. People, Camp Kittimer. Come on, <laughs> I expect better of you. <laughs> and that's from a Mirror Universe fan. <laughs> well, I would point out they expect more from you and they don't get it on a regular basis. So I don't think oh, you're going to be too judging. Oh, oh. oh. 
On to episode nine. And I'm glad I ducked after that statement. Um, <laughs> statistical probabilities. Bashir attempts to reintegrate genetically engineered misfits into society, but they are asked to are asked by Starfleet to become a think tank when they provided insightful analysis of upcoming Dominion peace talks. Dan. All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to preface this with saying I used to hate this episode. I used to not like it at all. I used to think it was, it was completely not necessary, but as I watched it more and more over the years, I began to appreciate what this episode actually does. Um, I think it's important in Bashir's genetically enhanced storyline um, I've actually grown to like the three misfits as I've called them before. So I'm going to give it a see it because why would you skip it? That's a stupid question, Bill. Uh, I'll tell you why I'd skip it. Dan. <laughs> Meh. <You're no> girl. <laughs> That's how I feel about this. Uh, yeah, it's, I don't like the, the episodes with the patients. Sorry. Uh, genetically engineered people. Um, I remember watching this live when it premiered and I was not interested from like the first two minutes of the episode in the teaser. So uh, it's just boring to me. Those people are annoying as all get out. And uh, it is one that I would not watch again if I had to with a phaser pointed at my head. That's how much I hate this episode. Well, they are annoying, but I put up with you all the time. So, and I give you a see it. So, Dan, I'm less annoying than these schmucks. <laughs> uh, Kittimer or Dan. Well, we got to have Mr. Garcia go first. That's right. I forgot he didn't say anything yet. Yeah, yeah. I haven't said anything yet. Uh, it's a see it for me, but I think they missed. I think they missed a opportunity. I think this would be a better episode if it would have been, let's say, six or seven episodes ago, or maybe at the end of the season five. Because then it would kind of support the whole losing of the hundreds and hundreds of ships to have it already happen, and then tell then ha- them have them tell you that uh, it's not possible to win. It's a little late. I mean, they basically went against the odds and won. If you would have told me this before they went against the odds and won, it'd be more impactful. So I would I like I enjoy it. I just think they misplaced it in the lineup. Okay, well, Camp Kittimer um, is a little more favorable on this episode than I am, for sure. 80% of respondents said that they Mm -hmm. would, in fact, see this episode. Um, Genius can be dangerous and duplicitous. See it. Um, Frustrating genetic enhancement follow-up. See it. Uh, Space Mensa. See it. Uh, Faith (laughs) Sally liked to remind Peter Siegel on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me that she was in Deep Space Nine and he wasn't. See it. That's an NPR joke for people who don't listen to NPR. And uh, lastly, maybe let let it help you fall pleasantly asleep if you had too much caffeine with dinner and hope to save Star Trek or hope to have Star Trek d- dreams. Skip it. Um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of this one, um, but Cam Kittimer seems to think it's okay. So um, I guess they can be wrong every now and then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> with that, on to episode ten, the magnif- the magnificent Ferengi. Orc mounts a rescue mission with his mother. Ishka is captured by the Dominion and Grand Negazek offers a reward for her return. And we'll start with Bill. Uh, thanks. Uh, this one for me, begrudgingly, is a see it. I don't think it's a great episode at all. Um, but there is Iggy Pop, so there's that. 
Um, I'm a huge fan of the Magnificent Seven, and I'm not a huge fan of this episode, maybe because I'm too much of a fan of the Magnificent Seven. I get what they're trying to do. It's another light episode before the next one. Spoiler alert. But um, I just, I'm not a fan. Dan? That's interesting. Um, I gave this a see it, and my opinion is vastly different than yours, Bill. Hands down for me, this is the best Ferengi episode ever. I love this episode. I think it's a great story. It's great humor. Um, there's a hysterical ending, and we get to see Keevan back as that slimeball uh, Vorta who gets what he deserves. And as you said, we get Iggy Pop as Yelgren, the other Vorta. I thought it was a wonderful episode, and it does give us some lightheartedness before the next episode and episodes. Um, so this is a a definite see it for me. What do you say, Dan? I enjoy this. It is it is lighthearted. It is fun. It is entertaining. Um, I bef- I feel it that as a lighthearted, this is more lighthearted that I would want it instead of say you're cordially invited after a major because I mean, there's still, there's still some parts of it that are, you know, suspenseful, but it's still fun. I, I like this. I mean, and I, I am also with bill. I love the magnificent seven, the movie, both versions of it, no matter of fact. So yeah, yeah I think this is fun. Well, Kim Kittimer tends to agree with you all and not with me. And, and that's okay because that's bound to happen. 85% of respondents said they would see this episode. Um, although there were a couple of take it or leave it, um, there was one that said "Amaze Balls." See it? Uh, probably the best Ferengi episode. See it? Best Ferengi episode ever. See it? Um, uh, Iggy Pop. See it? Uh, the Magnificent Seven turns into Weekend at Bernie's. See it? That is actually a great <laughs> description of what happens here. And That's maybe great. it's because I don't like Weekend at Bernie's. That's the only thing I can think of. So um, that is the Magnificent Ferengi. Um, Dan. Waltz. An attack on the Starfleet ship carrying Gold Ducat to a hearing for war crimes, as well as Captain Sisko, who is testifying in, at the hearing, leaves two of them stranded on a deserted planet together. Dan. What can what can you say about this episode that we haven't already said? Uh, we devoted an entire episode to this fantastic um, uh, battle between Cisco and Ducat. This is a see it in every definition. Mark Alimo, my favorite all time uh, Trek guest villain, best villain ever. He just absolutely kills this episode. Uh, we see him completely fall off the cliff, which we saw starting uh, when Zial was killed. I love this episode and it is an absolute see it for me. William. Uh, no surprise here. Total 100% see it for me. Must see Star Trek. I mean, it is that simple. It's one of Deep Space Nine's finest, and Mark Alimo just slays it in this episode, man. How there were not Emmy nominations for both Avery and Mark Alimo, especially, is a mystery to me because it is that good. Um, it, it is Cisco versus Ducat taken to a whole new level, and it can only get worse from here on the way to the finale. So for me, a see it, Mirror Dan. You actually answered a question I was going to have was whether there was any Emmy nominations for this because it is it is probably one of the top five episodes for this series, and and it's not 
super complicated. It's not super involved. It's not tons of special effects. It was a set. Two guys just acting it out. It, yeah, it's borderline as good as duet, if not a little better in some ways. So, yeah, I'm on board with Waltz. Kim Kittimer, very much on board with Waltz. It's not unanimous. There is one lone skip it for this episode. There's another take it or leave it, which I count as a see it. So that means 98.8% of respondents said they would, in fact, see this episode. Uh, A lot of people calling out the fact that there's just amazing performances by Mark Alimo, how it deserved Emmy nominations. Um, Ducat equals cray cray. See it. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, One respondent said that this is the best episode of the season and it should have been the finale. Uh, that's an interesting take. Uh, maybe one to debate at a later time, but uh, I think the the overarching theme is see this episode, gents. Episode 12. Who mourns for Morn? Morn is killed in an ion storm, and Cisco informs Quark that Morn left his entire estate to him. But Quark has a little competition. And Bill. You know... I actually think this episode is is fun. It's a nice diversion from the Dominion War, especially since you have the really uber-heavy waltz just before it. So for me, this one is a see-it. Uh, I think for me, personally, it's a little more fun than the Magnificent Ferengi, um, but I get why people don't like the episode. I just I like where this episode is placed. I like that it, it lets us shake off the episode before it. And plus, I like Morn, even though he's not in this episode very much. So uh, Plus... The title. <laughs> I love that it's a play on season uh, or on uh, Who Mourns for uh, Adonai on on TOS. So um, uh, I got to see this one, Dan. Well, that's interesting. We actually have a, a, a disagreement, which doesn't happen very often. I actually gave this one a skip. It. I talk probably every season uh, that we uh, that we do a see it or skip it on. That there's one episode a season that I just really don't have a lot of memory of, and interestingly enough. That's this episode. Um, the first time I saw it, I just it just didn't hold my attention, and I really haven't watched it very much since. Um, initially, when I when I uh, saw the preview and heard the title and all that, I thought it was going to be a great episode because I love Morn. I think he's a riot, uh, and he is so talkative. Um, but he's like you said, he's barely in it, and I the story just didn't hold for me. So I gave this one a skip. It Dan. Yeah, I enjoy this one. Uh, it gives me. The aspect I like about this is it kind of explains what Latinum is. Uh, it seems something simple, but yeah, it explains Latinum, and I thought it, I think it's funny. Except the whole where he spits it up at the end in the little glass, and he's like, "Oh, that's like a hundred bars of Latinum," and it's like, like just teeny tiny amount. Oh, I, but I enjoy it. It's <laughs> it's it's fun. <laughs> well, Cam Kittimer is a little more favorable on this episode than some. 78% of respondents said they would see this episode. Um, Mourn's the real MVP. See it. Nice break in the tension. See it. Um, dorky fun. See it. Uh, <laughs> if it's on TV, I'll watch. See it. Uh, Mourn, best Deep Space Nine character secretly. See it. So um, not a total miss with Camp, but um, but but certainly it's a it's at least placed solidly in their eyes. Episode 13, Far Beyond the Stars. As Cisco considers leaving Starfleet due to mounting war casualties, he has a vision of himself as a science fiction writer in the 1950s. And Dan. Well, 
what can be said about what more can be said about this episode. This is essential Deep Space Nine, and it's essential Star Trek viewing. It is one of the best episodes of the entire series and of the entire genre. It is so amazing. Trek, again, takes a social issue and produces an amazing story around it. It's brilliantly acted by everyone. We get to see people outside the norm and outside of their makeup, and it is a wonderful change. Avery hits an absolute grand slam in this episode in both directing and acting, and it is an absolute masterpiece. See it. Bill? Yeah, this is one of the top two episodes of the entire series. You know, we were fortunate enough when we were in Albany for Northeast TrekCon to have dinner with Mark Zakri, who wrote the story for this episode. And his recollections of the filming of this episode were just amazing. And it really reminded me once again how truly special this was when it came together. I I don't think you can skip this episode. I I think it's mandatory for watching Deep Space Nine. And it's important to Cisco as much as I think it's important to our society today and going forward. So for me, absolute see it. One of the greatest of all time, Dan. Okay. So, yes, it's a see it. I'm not as big a fan as most people are. And not because there's anything wrong with the story. I, that's not my issue with it. My issue with it is it's it's so far out of this line of this of the season of the series it's almost like watching another show doesn't mean it's a bad episode it's an amazing episode as for trek i find it good but i'm not a huge like diehard fan of this episode in some ways i watch it as a separate entity like see like i like if you go back and watch season one or season two the episodes, some of those episodes are way off the storyline. Good episodes, but off the storyline. This one is that for me. So when I'm watching season six storyline, like the whole thing together, I, I actually watch this after I'm done with the season because I do not, I find it very distracting from the rest of it. Good. I don't want this to make this sound like it's, I feel this is a bad episode. It's an amazing episode. It's just not an amazing episode in the rest of the season's streamline does that make sense no it does because i mean you know you're a big dominion war arc fan and and all that and i understand where you're coming from with that you're not saying the episode is bad or that you'd skip it you're just saying you wouldn't necessarily watch it as part of the season there that yes yeah well camp kittimer um uh, for the third time in this season has come to a unanimous decision on an episode and they would see this hands down Uh, easily one of the most powerful Star Trek episodes ever. See it. Uh, No risk means no reward. See it. Uh, Awful reality skillfully depicted. See it. Best hour of Trek. See it. Um, uh, Let's see. This is how you do an alternate reality story. See it. And then Dan, this will prime Dan. This will be one of your favorite comments. Uh, It's the Tom Brady comment. Goat. Greatest of all time. See it. Like it. Um, Very nice. And then lastly, one of the most amazing written episodes in television still relevant today is when it originally aired. See it. Um, so, oh, and sorry, one last one. If you don't cry, you aren't human. See mm. it. So I guess, Prime Dan, you're not human at all. Wow. I, uh, wrong. I cry in this episode because it is real. It is real. 
<laughs> it is real. <laughs> uh, read the read the ad copy. <laughs> you know, we'll be right back for the second half of season six of Deep Space Nine and see it or skip it after this brief message from Eagle Moss and the official Star Trek Starships collection. You know, Prime Dan, one of my favorite things has become these these tiny starships that have started to adorn my desk over time. I'm speaking, of course, of the official Star Trek Starships collection, officially authorized by CBS Studios. This collection is only available from Eagle Moss Collections, and it is, I don't know what other word you'd use to describe it other than the ultimate collection of vessels from all over the Star Trek universe. I mean, you have the original series and Next Gen and DS9 and Voyager, all the way up through Enterprise and and while well, now they're doing Discovery and Star Trek Beyond, each of these models, as I hold my favorite TOS Enterprise in my hot little hands, is made from these just super high-quality ABS materials, die-cast metal. And then, of course, they're hand-painted with reference to the actual CG models that get used in production. And, of course, where they exist, sometimes they're using photos of the original studio models just to punch that detail up even more, Dan. Yeah, they are they are fantastic. They come with a very sturdy, nice, sexy looking black display base. There's a collector's magazine featuring behind the scenes info and original design sketches and a breakdown of technology used on board. You're getting some good stuff here from Eagle Moss, folks. You can subscribe to the collection today and receive your first ship, the USS Enterprise NCC 1701D, for only $4.95 with free shipping. After you subscribe, you're going to get additional models uh, about twice a month, and they will be delivered directly to your door. And as we've mentioned before, there's close to 150 of these ships already, so you're going to be getting some ships for quite a while. As a subscriber, you are also entitled to free gifts worth over $90. You can cancel your subscription at any time, but you probably won't want to do that. And for full details, you can head right on over to st-starships.com slash trekgeeks. And uh, Bill, in addition to those 150 models that I just mentioned, the space dock from Star Trek Three and other episodes of TNG we saw, you know, bud, that is now available on Eagle Moss's website. So um, that is very cool. It looks great. Additionally, in 2019, we're going to see some amazing looking ships such as V'ger from Star Trek The Motion Picture, the Scimitar from Star Trek Nemesis, Gomtu from the TNG episode Tin Man, and the one that I'm waiting for the most. Yes, the Planet Killer from the TOS classic The Doomsday Machine is coming out next year. Can't wait, bud. I can't wait to see how that space bugle looks, but you know, I was looking <laughs> at that at that that space dock from Star Trek Three the other day on their website. That thing is eight inches tall, mm-hmm. and looking at the detail, I cannot wait to put that thing on my desk. It is going to be amazing. Now, of course, fans who want to purchase some of the, their favorite ships individually can do so for just a few dollars more, either online at shop.eaglemoss.com, like I mentioned, or of course at your local comic book shop. And we offer our sincere thanks to Eagle Moss and the official Star Trek Starships collection for sponsoring this week's show. You know, I love Eagle Moss. Don't you guys? It's so fun to talk about. <laughs> we, I, um, but you know, you know I what's fun? on ships all the time. Oh, they're funner? so fantastic. Funner? funner? That's, a, that's a real word, isn't it? It's actually not. No. Okay. You know what's more fun? 
How's What's that? that, Dan? Getting back to season six, Deep Space Nine, Cedar Skip It, Mirror Dan. <laughs> we will continue now with episode 14, One Little Ship. Dax, O'Brien, and Bashir board a runabout, which is shrunken to four inches long as they investigate a rare subspace compression phenomenon. Bill. You know, I would like to give this episode one teeny tiny meh. (laughs) The size of the runabout that's in this episode. Um, Yeah. No, I just, I don't, I don't dig this episode at all. Um, it's one I have skipped on multiple occasions and will continue to do so. It just, it, it does nothing for me. Um, I like it about as much as I like the concept of a 50 foot Spock in the animated series. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I'll do that one again. Meh. Dan. Well, every time that we have a Cedar skip it episode coming up, we have our spreadsheet and we put our notes in of whether we'll see it or skip it. And this is the one that I left for last because I could not decide what I was going to do for it. I didn't know if I was going to do a see it. I didn't know if I was going to do a skip it because it just really isn't a great episode. I eventually gave it a see it because I thought it was kind of a fun take on the fantastic voyage, or maybe even if you want to look at honey, I shrunk the kids. Um, I like the bickering that takes place between the Jem'Hadar alphas and gammas. I thought that was interesting to see how they are against each other simply because of where they were uh, born, so to speak. Um, But I got to say the belief that O'Brien knows exactly what the inside of a panel looks like and where the chips are supposed to go is kind of a little far-fetched. I mean, he's a smart dude, uh, but that's a little, a little cray cray. Um, I'm going to give it a pass though. And I am going to give it a, a barely see it, Dan. Yeah, this is a see it for me. Uh, and you already brought up, Dan, about the Fantastic Voyage because I like that movie. I really like that movie. And when I first saw it, the thought that went through my mind is they always say that the ship is is basically one of the characters. And so bas- what you're seeing is a Fantastic Voyage of a tiny little ship going through the innards of a character similar to the fantastic voyage. It's just the character in this case is the, uh, the defiant and not a person. I, I, I like the mechanic. I think it's funny. It's it's, it is jokey and a little bit campy. And to be honest, I like my star Trek a little jokey and campy at times. Well, camp Kittimer is a, is apparently right there. 74.7% of respondents said they would see this episode. And like you guys, many of them brought up fantastic, fantastic voyage or uh, honey. I shrunk the runabout. Um, uh, Red dwarf did it better. Skip it. Campy, but fun. See it most fun since will Robinson went inside the robot. See it. I'd forgotten about that one. Uh, oh, yeah. A fun adventure, but still almost skippable. See it. Uh, one little ship, one big meh. Skip it. (laughs) (laughs) That one's my favorite. (laughs) That's a good one. And then uh, the alphas are effing blind if they couldn't see that damn little ship flying around. See it. (laughs) (laughs) Not not an invalid criticism, boys. (laughs) Uh, Honor Among Thieves. Starfleet Intelligence recruits Chief O'Brien to infiltrate the Orion Syndicate to find a Starfleet informant. Dan. I like this episode a lot. We get to see the underbelly of what's going on in Star Trek times. Um, 
and it's not pretty. Uh, I I think watching Deep Space Nine episodes that focus in on Brian and in, in uh, focus in on O'Brien uh, is one of the most important things. Uh, so I gave this one a see it. I just I just really enjoy it. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I like this episode. I, I like it anytime O'Brien gets something to do. Uh, because on TNG, he just he stood behind a transporter console for six and a half seasons. Um, you know, I, 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 this is, uh, I think, a great O'Brien story. Plus, it's got Alan from Space 1999. Um, so we haven't seen him <laughs> since uh, the final mission episode of TNG, um, where he was the shuttle pilot that crash landed on the planet. So mm-hmm. I, I love, I love Space 1999. I love Alan on that show. And so this episode for me is a see it. Yeah, I'm with you guys. Honor Among Thieves is is like a is one of those guilty pleasures. I think it's a good aspect of showing again that the Star Trek universe is not rainbows and unicorns. There's areas of it that are a little dark and a little dingy. Sometimes you have to do some things that may be questionable to live day to day. And this just brings it out to say, hey, here it is. Whether you like it or not, it's not perfect. You know, and the interesting thing here is that for the second episode in a row, Camp Kedimer says that 74.7% of them would see this episode. It's an identical percentage to the one before it. Um, severely underrated O'Brien story. Very moving. See it. Uh, O'Brien must suffer. See it. Boring. Skip it. Uh, one of my absolute favorite episodes. See it. Uh, Spy, O'B- uh, Spy O'Brien still boring. Skip it. Um, a double O'Brien super spy. See it. That's probably my favorite. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's. Uh, it looks like a, a fairly solid outing for most of Camp Kittimer, but uh, we'll see what the next episode does, boys. Change of heart. When Jadzia Dax is critically injured on a away mission, Worf must choose between saving his wife and completing their assignment. Bill. Well, let's see. I think, um, and this may surprise some people, but. Uh, this one for me is a skip it. I think this episode is contrived and uninteresting. Well, let me check that for a second. It's interesting to see Worf fail, but I didn't feel like there was that much on the line because Jadzia wasn't going to die in this episode anyway. And we all knew it. So uh, for me, this episode largely doesn't work. Um, but I I know I'm in the minority on this one going into it. So, Dan? Yeah, I, g- I gave this one a see it. And... This is this is a perfect example of why uh, married people do not go on missions together. Um, this episode tackles something I've always wondered about, and that's duty versus family slash love, etc. Um, I don't blame War for his decision. Um, I would do the exact same thing in a second if it was my wife and I on a mission. Um, had it been Jennifer instead of Dax and Cisco was on the mission. I can tell you why I'm 100% certain that Ben would have done the same thing. And I'm saying that even knowing that he left Jake on deep space nine, when the dominion took it over, um, it's, it, it there was no question ever that of what was going to happen when, when, when Jadzia was hurt and Worf had to make a decision. Uh, still, I did give it a see it because um, I, I enjoyed the episode. Dan. Well, well, he didn't leave Jake on deep space nine. Jake purposefully stayed behind. Well, yes, but I, I say that in, in terms of, of had he had the opportunity, would he have made him come along? It's kind of a hard, it's kind okay. of a hard, it's kind of a hard 
way to compare, but I, I use the it's a family member type thing. But um, okay, I think I got it. He would have he would not have hesitated to turn around and go get Jennifer. I'd have left you behind in a heartbeat, Dan. Well, that's, oh. that's why we're not married anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a this is a see it. I enjoy it. It's not critical. It's not necessary in the storyline overall, but it, it's just still a see it. And and in today's world. Today's ships, you can't have married people aboard the ship. You can't even have brothers and sisters on the ship. You can't have, you really can't even have cousins on a ship. So that that hasn't changed over time. And I can't believe they still do it in the future, though. So, wrongs darker than death. Well, hold on. We got to do the Camp Kittimer oh, results. My mistake. Sorry. No, that's no, okay. Um, interestingly enough, there's only one verbatim on this entire episode. Uh, 68.67% of Camp Kittimer respondents said they would see this episode. So just over uh, two thirds. Uh, the one verbatim is manipulative scenario, good execution. See it. Hmm. Uh, but by and large, it's just there's not a lot of comments on this episode, which I find very interesting on its own. Usually there are at least uh, somewhere between eight and a dozen comments on any given uh, episode at, at a minimum. So I think that's very interesting alone. So uh, sorry about that. On to episode 17. Oh, I'm the one out of order, so. <laughs> Wrongs darker than death. When Ducat tells Kira that her mother, Kira Maru, did not die when Nerys was three, but that was actually Ducat's lover, Kira goes into the past using the Bajoran orb of time to find the truth. Dan. Uh, this is a very interesting story. I gave this one a see it. I didn't expect this to be part of the uh, uh, storyline with with Kira and Dukat. We always knew there was something between the two of them, but this was an interesting story of Kira's past and how intertwined Dukat actually is with her life. Um, so I loved it. And as always, it's just an, another masterful, perf- masterful performance by Mark Alimo. And it's interesting, Bill, that every time there's a Dukat-centric story, we always seem to say that. Uh, yeah, I mean... Every time Ducat is on the screen, it's something that is worth watching. Even if it's a, a story like this, which is largely told in in flashback via the orb of time. Uh, the story is so dark and it's such a kick in the gut for Kira. But Alimo really does elevate this episode to a whole new level. So for me, it's an absolute see it. But like you said, Dan, I'm going to say that pretty much anytime Mark Alimo's on the screen. Mm-hmm. Mirror Dan. This is a decent episode. I will. It's it fits in here pretty good about how things are not perfect, but I watch it. I don't skip it. It is a see it. It's just, if I'm crunched for time or if I want to keep in the, in the pace of things, I'm good. Whether it's on or off. That's a meh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, Camp Kittimer is a little more warm toward this episode than perhaps they were the last couple. 78% of respondents said they would see it. Uh, of the verbatims ranked lower by a lot of people, but provides some interesting backstory for Ducat and explains his odd fixation on Kira throughout the series. See it. Wow. That's, that's far more in depth than any of our comments. Um, here's, here's a great one. The visitor. It ain't skip it. <laughs> uh, can't watch too cruel. Skip it. And then this comment I thought was interesting and, and one to maybe dissect on a future episode of Trek geeks. Trek doesn't seem to like mothers. Skip it. I, I can't I can't really fault that observation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I that's uh, that's a topic to take on another time. But uh, 
Uh, I think it is some really insightful commentary on wrongs darker than death or night. So on to number 18. Inquisition. Bashir is accused of unknowingly spying for the Dominion. Bill. You know, I don't think it's a secret to anybody how I'm going to feel about this episode. And I can sum it up with three words. Section 31 begins. You know, we're still talking about Section 31 to this day. You know, we've seen it in in multiple series. We've seen it in the movies now. There may be its own series as a rumor, as as far as we know. You know, whether that happens or not remains to be seen. But, you know, Bill Sadler, uh, what more can I say? Um, See it. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, see it. You know, everybody knows my love for Section 31, and this is the first time we get to see it. Um, It's the first appearance of Section 31. It's the first appearance of Luther Sloan. It's a remarkable turn of events in the Star Trek universe that I will always love just as much as some people hate it. Um, Sadler is absolutely amazing in this. We get to see him in a Starfleet uniform for the first and only time, and he looks dapper in it, I must say. It's a definite see it. Dan? Oh, yes. See it. I love this episode. And some of the stuff is still, again, true today. It's amazing where you can find spies if you just keep looking. I I, I love this. I love this. It's good stuff. You know, Kim Kittimer, right there with you, boys. Um, as I look at the percentage, 93.98. So let's call it 94% would see this episode. The only verbatims are all on the see it side. And they all say essentially section 31. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> chilling story. Great Bashir action. See it. What a show. See it. And then my favorite comment, Bill Sadler makes anything better. See it. And I think that is the perfect comment for Inquisition. Hallelujah. Episode 19, In the Pale Moonlight. Cisco asks Garrick to help him with the Romulans to join the war against the Dominion. And you guys had a whole episode, so you better make yours quick. (laughs) (laughs) Who gets to go first? Uh, I have it in here as Dan. All right. uh, Yeah. See it? Uh, Hello. Um, This is is one of the best episodes ever. We just we get to see just how far Ben will go to win this war, and it's not pretty at all. But then again, guys, I'm really not sure we should even remember any of this because the entire log was deleted. Bill? Oh, you're killing me with that. <laughs> of course we should remember it. He deleted the log, not the event. Um, this is one of the top three episodes of the series, honestly. And for me, it's, it's the number three of all time behind The Visitor. And, um, uh, oh God, we just talked about it, and I'm having trying to find stars. Far Beyond the Stars, thank you. Um, it, this is, but it's also my personal favorite episode of the series. Cisco mortgages everything he believes in to bring the Romulans into the war. And uh, it is just, it is fantastic stuff. It is awesome in every way. Absolute see it, must see. Uh, it's, it, it is the anti Star Trek, Star Trek. Dan? Mm-hmm. So, In the Pale Moonlight is my favorite, top notch, no debate favorite episode of star trek ever and that has to do with what a person is willing to sacrifice for everything else this is the ultimate this is the ultimate uh sacrifice of a 
one person for everybody else. He is taking everything he believes in. He takes everything he has worked for, and he's willing to toss it internally. Not obviously for real, but internally to protect everybody else. And this is a perfect example of not all heroes wear capes. It really is. That's that's a great summation point. Um, interestingly enough, I think this is the first time this has ever happened in Seattle Skip It. The fourth unanimous vote on an episode in Seattle Skip It. And, and not a shock here. 100% of people said they would see it. Um, the verbatim is one of the best Deep Space Nine episodes and one of the best Trek episodes. In the utopian future, someone still has to make ugly decisions to preserve the peace. See it. Best Garrick episode. See it. Uh, I can live with it. See it. Uh, probably the best episode of the series. Uh, hashtag best of Deep Space Nine. Best episode of Star Trek ever. Uh, absolute must see. Um, it's a fake. See it. Nice. Uh, <laughs> Had to be in there somewhere. Well, uh, here, here's a variation on that. It's a see it. See it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. And that uh, that pretty much sums up uh, a lot of comments on this one. Of course, all in the positive since it's 100%. But uh, yeah, my personal favorite episode of the entire series. Episode 20, His Way. Bashir shows off a new Suite program of a martini lounge with a 1960s Vegas singer named Vic Fontaine, who is very percepti- perceptive and gives his advice to Odo when Kira visits her ex-lover, Shakar. And Bill. You know... <sighs> I actually kind of like this episode because a hologram has to tell Odo, a shapeshifter, how a relationship works. And then he pulls a con to make it happen. I know it's not a popular one, even with the actors who were in it, but I think it's a decent Odo Kira story. And for that, I, I'm going to say see this episode because I enjoy it. Dan. Um, I've got one word to describe uh, why I decided to give this a skip it. Shakar. But even with that being said, there's more to it than just that. Um, This is the real start of the Kira and Odo romance. I've said it before and I'll say it again. The romance aspect in Star Trek has never really worked, at least in my opinion. Um, I love Nana and I love Renee, but I think that they are even on record saying that they didn't really care for the Odo-Kira romance storyline. And it all started here with Vic Fontaine. I will say the kiss at the end was enjoyable and I like that, but the rest of the episode, it just never really did anything for me. Dan. So I give this to see it and it's not because it's an amazing episode. I give it to see it because there is amazing episodes that involve Vic Fontaine coming up. So you need to know where he came from and that's why this one gets to see it. Yeah, Camp Kittimer is actually uh, a little more in favor of this than some other people. 86.75% said they would see this episode. Um, interesting. See it once and then skip it since it gives us Vic Fontaine, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> see it. <laughs> That's still a see it comment, if you can believe that. Uh, I've never been a, f- a fan of Vic Fontaine, but Odo and Kira. Am I right? See it. Uh, important but not great Odo Kira. See it. Um Finally breaking the ice with passion. See it. And then the last one, wish Vic was introduced earlier. See it. And I, I guess I kind of agree with that. I would have liked to have seen that distraction for the crew mm-hmm. earlier on in the show, but uh, I'm glad, I'm glad we at least have it a- at all. So uh, that is 
um, how Cam Kittimer shakes out on this one. Very, very quickly, guys. Dan, uh, Miradan, I like what you said. One of the things that we do in See It or Skip It is we pick episodes that we would want people who are new to Star Trek to see. And I loved what you just said, that this is a See It because it's the first Vic episode and we need to see where he came from. I really appreciate that comment, but I still would skip it. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get to an episode that it'll be surprising if you skip it. Valiant. Jake and Nog come under an attack by the Jem'Hadar and are rescued by a rogue defiant class starship, the Valiant, under the command of Starfleet Red Squad Squadron Cadets. Bill. Well, I hate to disappoint you, buddy. Oh, are um, you serious? Yeah, I absolutely would skip this one every single time. Oh my um, god! Can't yeah, believe I hang out with uh, you. That's that's because it's it's largely terrible. It's super weak and uh, just. Uh, it's a bunch of kids get command of a defiant style ship. Yeah, no way. That's never going to happen. I'm sorry. They're going to get a warship. No, at most they're going to get a hundred year old vessel to go out and there's going to be, you know, some kind of oversight. They're not going to be that deep into space. Um, I would skip this episode in a heartbeat because it's just so totally unbelievable, even from a Star Trek aspect. Sorry. You know, what's unbelievable to me that we skipped one. Yeah. Yeah. That's my fault. <laughs> so let's do this one, and then we'll come yes. back. <laughs> I have okay. failed. I will take that as a hit. Oh, it, hey, you know what? We're all human. Most of us, anyway. But um, I, I, I did give this one a see it, but this is completely not believable, no matter how dire the situation is for the Federation. Um, yeah, Red Squad's crew uh, screws up again. And I think the bl- the guy playing the uh, new captain was just a little prick, but I still like the episode. Uh, one thing I did not like about this episode, however, were the special effects. I thought they were really cheesy looking, especially when they attacked the Dominion ship. Um, it was a weak story, I thought, but overall, it would be an episode that I would watch. So I gave it a see it. Well, see, I guess I was missing the room here. I like Valiant, and the thing, the whole, the whole thing with them having a defiant class, I think, was a budget thing and not a story thing, because it would have been better if they'd have done like uh, a Miranda or even an Oberth or something like yep. that. Totally. That'd have been amazing, but I don't think they wanted to pay for the sets or anything else. The reason I like this episode in the way I, is because this is where I think Nog went from being the the dream of being an officer in Starfleet to actually being an officer of Starfleet. He went from being, you know, oh, shiny to being, you know what? There is a certain amount of perspective of leadership that is expected. And, and that's where he, I think this is where he gets it, where it separates from being a dream to being actually like, listen, I'm going to be in charge of people. And I think that change in him helps him in future episodes as well. Again. And that's why I'm a big fan of this. Also, you're talking about you're talking about people that are sacrificing themselves, you know, that weren't asked to do so. Well, um, Camp Kittimer, three uh, it's three out of four people like this episode. Seventy four point seven percent like Valiant. Um, although uh, there are a lot of there are a few more than a few mess in here. Um, uh, let's give the cadets a very armed starship. See it. Uh, my nightmare scenario: a bunch of annoying Wesley Crushers crewing a starship. Skip it. 
Well, that's an interesting Comple- perspective. <laughs> yeah, completely implausible premise. Skip it. Uh, frustrating and sad. More frustrating. Skip it. Uh, Red Dawn, this ain't. Skip it. <laughs> and lastly, only time I was happy to see a Starfleet ship destroyed. Skip it. <gasps> more, more comments. <laughs> Even though the seats were rated high, there were more skip it comments on this episode, which is against the trend. So, so let's uh, I know, right? Let's uh, let's double back to episode twenty-one. The reckoning. Cisco is called to Bajor when an ancient tablet addressing the emissary is discovered in Bahala. Dan, I'm going to give this one a see it. I think it's important for the whole uh, Cisco as the emissary storyline. But uh, Ben, buddy, you don't smash ancient Bajoran tablets, even if you really want to. I'm just going <laughs> to throw that out there. Um, I, I love, I love, love, love the battle of Jake as Pa Wraith and Kira as Prophet in this episode. Don't know why. I just thought it was really brilliantly done. And I I just love how Kira rips Kai Wynn a new one at the end of this episode. Um, so I gave this one a see it. Bill. Um. I didn't. <laughs> this is this is for me another just super weak episode, and even for the promo where Jake and Kira do battle, it was uninspiring and dull when I saw it live the first time. Um, I, I this episode strikes me as just pure filler. I get what they were trying to do with it, but it seemed like somebody said, "Oh, yeah, we need an episode where the Paul rates and the prophets find a way to battle one another before the finale." Hmm. How do we do that? I know. Let's get Kira and Jake. That way, Ben's got something on the line. Yeah, no. This episode just uh, is not great for me. Uh, Dan, Louise Fletcher, see it. <laughs> That's all you need to say. <laughs> wow, that was you know concise and to the point. Um, I wish the other Dan could be that way every now and then. Um, Camp Kittimer, eighty-six point seven five percent of people said they would see this episode um one person says the second most important episode of the series right after rapture see it that's interesting wow uh yeah. interesting character work for win see it i like the religious arc see it uh maybe that's why this episode doesn't land with me um i don't mind the bajorans and their religious culture but the episodes with overtly religious overtones just don't do anything for me so uh now let's we can get back on track with uh 23 Prophet and Lace. Quark helps out when Zek's status as the Ferengi Grand Negus is put in jeopardy by proposing equal rights for Ferengi females. Dan. You know, I'm I'm sorry. I, I will never be able to unsee Quark as a female Ferengi now, ever. Um, this episode falls flat no matter how much Jeffrey Combs tries to save it. And to be honest, I'm I am tired of the Grand Nagus. I just, I just am tired of him. Um, as much as I love the actor, um, I just, I'm, I'm done with him. So I gave this one a skip it, you know, second Frankie episode of the season. And, uh, it was bound to happen, Bill. Uh, yeah, right there with you. This is, uh, my third skip it in a row for those keeping count. Uh, yeah. And here it comes again. Prepare yourself. Meh. That's really all I can say about this episode uh, that, that you didn't already say, Dan. Um, uh, even with Jeff Combs, there's nothing really that saves this episode. So, Mirror Dan? Yeah, I'm out. Yeah, <laughs> there. this is a skip it. This does nothing 
or yeah, this does nothing for the season other just to be a f- filler. This is my this was one of those filler episodes. It's like okay, they had this sitting on the on the writing board someplace, just chilling. He's like, okay, well, we need an extra episode. What should we do? Let's do this one. And they're like, uh, sure, let's make a cheap episode. Sounds great. Yeah, I'm out. Yeah. Yeah, I get budgetary stuff, but there's just not even really the story here to carry no, this one. No. Uh, this is the other episode that ranks as the lowest rated episode of the season with Camp Kittimer. 33.73% said they would skip it. Um, it's better than in theory. Skip it. <laughs> uh, Moogie is the worst. Skip it. Uh, it's it's part really important and part farce, and it doesn't really blend all that well. See it. Uh, Quark boobs. Skip it. <laughs> that one that one got me kind of uh, kind of funny at least and the children shall lead has william shatner hamming it up skip it <laughs> uh, worst epi- episode in the entire franchise skip it uh here's a great comment no 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 skip it <laughs> uh, my love of ferengi episodes is put to the test skip it uh and has to be seen to be believed see it yeah no i don't think so um so profit and lace, not a clear winner with campers, that's for sure. Episode twenty-four. Wow. Time's orphan. Molly O'Brien appears in a vortex and reappears, or I'm sorry, disappears in a vortex and reappears as an 18-year-old woman. But she is now feral, bringing great difficulty for her parents and Bill. Yeah, I've never done four <laughs> skippets in a row, but here we are. Wow. Uh, I can only hope. I can only hope that Feral Molly attacks the camera and destroys it, so that we don't have to watch this turd. Um, if you hadn't guessed, this is a skip it for me, Dan. <laughs> I originally had this as a see it, but uh, the more I thought about it, the more I'm changing to a skip it. Um, this is it's an okay episode, but. You know, I give it an okay episode because it's based on the strength of family. But a Keiko's in it, so that's that's not a good <laughs> way to start. And B, Feral Molly just gets annoying after a while. And as as much as O'Brien tries to fix the situation, it just it he can't save the situation. Although he does eventually save Molly, so I did have to change my vote on this one. So I unfortunately too did have to give it a skip. It. I don't think I dislike it as much as Bill. But it's not it's not great. Yep, I'm there. Skip it. Uh, having a stable family is awesome in a Star Trek series. This family is not stable. And <laughs> adding more instability doesn't make it better. Yes. Yeah. So, They're no. not stable or awesome. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. Uh, Camp Kittimer, 46.99% of people said they would see this episode. So That's low. Uh, definite, <laughs> not a majority. It's it's not as low as the episode before it, <laughs> but uh, definitely low. Uh, children in Star Trek. Yep. Skip it. Uh, <laughs> Jumanji. See it. Interesting. Uh, too much Keiko. Skip it. Um O'Brien suffering runs in the family. Skip it. Awful. Skip it. Um, hands down, the most meh episode of season six. Skip it. I almost agree with that if there wasn't something called uh, profit and lace. So, uh, mm-hmm. wow. Here we are almost at the end of the season, boys, with the penultimate episode of season six. Mirror Dan. The sound of her voice. The Defiant picks up a distress call from Captain Lisa Cusack 
whose escape pod has crashed on a remote planet following destruction of her ship, the Olympia. Dan. You know, guys, this was not an episode I was expecting to be the penultimate episode of a season. This is a beautiful story. The crew get to know this woman. Every one of the crew members get to know this woman on a personal level. And the twist at the end was nothing I was prepared for. And it was devastating to me. Um, And obviously, the crew was not expecting that as well. So this is an absolute see it and a great uh, second to last episode of season six. Bill? I love this episode so much. And and I loved it from the first moment I saw it. Um, it, It's really kind of beautiful the way the crew starts opening up to this lone voice that they hear that they're trying so desperately to get to before it fades. And uh, the twist is gut wrenching. And like you said, Dan, I just, I didn't see the twist coming at the end. Um, and neither did the crew, which is why I think it impacts them the way it does. This person that they've gotten to know and, and become friends with talking about their lives with, with Lisa Cusack is, is really hurts them in a way that we really didn't imagine possible. And little do we know that next week they're just going to double down on that feeling. So uh, this one is an absolute see it for me, Mirror Dan. Yeah, this is a see it. Uh, it is very, yeah, it's gut wrenching. But the sane side of me goes, why were they surprised by this? I mean, doesn't Starfleet have good record keeping as to who's the captain of what ship when? But you suspend that. It's an amazing episode. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. In fact, that. Did you did you actually take the Camp Kittimer poll before you hosted this episode? I did, but we did it so long ago, I forgot what I put in there. Because I think that this verbatim is yours. It always bothered me that they didn't simply look up Cusack and Starfleet Records and note that she had been listed as missing for years. Skip it. Uh, no, that was not me. <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't do any verbatim because wow. I just said I yeah. see it. What a coincidence. Yeah, um, that's interesting. 86.75% of people said they would see this episode. Uh, the only other verbatim that really uh, surprises me is this one. I've never actually seen this. Skip it. Uh, wow. I, yeah. I, I don't know why you would skip it if you've never seen it. Um, mm. But I, I would I would implore that person to just try it. Um, uh, Homework assignment. Anyway, yeah, homework assignment. Watch it and then let us know, even if you just want to DM us. I mean, it is a, it is a fantastic episode. So uh, that's it. Here we are at the uh, final episode of season six, my friends. Tears of the Prophets. Starfleet Command begin, begins an offensive against the Dominion. Cisco is chosen to lead the invasion of Cardassia, and the crew su- suffers a devastating loss. And Bill. Oh, I tell you what, after the episode before it, this is a fantastic season finale and just a truly sad ending to the life of Jadzia. There is so much uncertainty at the end of this one, which I love because Deep Space Nine does that at the end of a season really well, but it really leaves the viewer with a super uneasy feeling. Um, Not a surprise. As much as this episode bums me out, you absolutely have to see it. Yeah, my comments are going to be uh, quick, and it it is obviously a see it. It is gut-wrenching. It is not expected. Damn you, Ducat. Damn you straight to hell. Meridan? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I got it as a see it. Uh, You have to see it. 
but it is gut-wrenching to the point that I have only seen it three times. And I've seen the rest mm. of the season about ten. Because I wow. literally do not want to watch to the point that I don't... There's a lot of times I kind of don't even go into season seven because I don't want to see the continuation of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. And and Camp Kittimer, um has achieved a record for the fifth time in a the season. They have come to a unanimous vote on an episode. Tears of the Prophets is a 100% see it. Um, so much action packed in. So sorry, so much packed into this one. A heartbreaking farewell to a beloved character. See it. R.I.P. Jadzia. Goodbye, Jadzia. Ducat. I loathe thee. Uh, only need to see it once. Can't take the loss. I understand that. Cries and howls. See it. Uh, lots of goodbye, Jadzia. So uh, tears of the prophets. No surprise essential season seven viewing and boys that brings the uh, sorry season six viewing that brings season six to a close on see it or skip it let's talk percentages which is always mm-hmm. one of my most favorite parts um dan prime mr davidson you had 20 out of 26 for 76.92 percent of the season that's a very respectable showing is that higher or lower than you thought um i think it's actually lower than i thought um, you know, we've talked all the time about how DS9 is is our favorite series, and the final seasons are so strong. So uh, it came in a little lower than I would have expected. Yeah, I'm actually, uh, I suppose, a little bit surprised by that. Um, Mr. Garcia, you were 21 of 26 for 80.77%. Uh, very respectable showing. You've got to feel good about that one, buddy. Oh, yes. There's a reason I picked this season to hound you guys about. <laughs> well, then I'm about to really disappoint the hell out of you. I was 18 of 26 for 69.23%. In fact, my second lowest rating of a Deep Space Nine season ever, with season one being the only one lower. And that really surprises me because there are so many solid episodes in season six. You know, we had five unanimous 100% episodes alone. But I feel like there are more dogs in this season, at least from my perspective. Uh, so I was actually kind of surprised by my rating. Well, and I will now well, take verbal abuse. Well, me no, and, I, I wouldn't. Go ahead, Dan. I'll go after you. I was going to say, uh, well, me and my brother Dan here know that you're wrong a lot of times. So it's, it's OK. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can I was, delete your entire track. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Bill, that while you were talking about your percentages, I went back and quickly looked at all my percentages from season one through season six. And surprisingly for me, this too is my second lowest percentage season, which shocking to me. Absolutely shocking. I, you know, I think that I think that's a statement a bit of, of the way that some of these episodes were woven into the series. I and mean, part of what we look at with the theater skip it is, you know, um, what do we see it? But you know, does this episode kind of make sense where it is? You know, there are some downshift episodes. There are some definite filler episodes, but I felt like season six had more filler, I guess. So, mm-hmm. um, so very interesting. Uh, huge thanks from both of us to you, Mr. Garcia, for being our special guest geek for the full hour and paying attention to, uh, to this season with great detail. Um, it's always a joy to have you here, buddy. We thank you for all you do in Camp Kittimer as the 35th best admin there. <laughs> Um, out, of, out, of, out of the three there's only three admins um, and you are the 35th best my friend um, how might people uh, stalk you on Twitter or chat you up to talk about things Deep Space Nine 
Uh, interesting. Uh, I am very light on on footprint, uh, social media footprint. The be- easiest would be just probably Facebook. I don't even have a Twitter account. So what you're saying is get on Camp Kittimer and uh, and start putting some messages there, especially for your Save the Defiant campaign. Yes. <laughs> and go to, please go to the page, uh, the Camp Kittimer page, to find out what that's about because it's 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 surprising. Yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm going to spoiler alert for people right here. So uh, I got an IM from Mr. Garcia the other night. He goes, hey, go to StarTrek.com and search for Defiant. Tell me what you got. And I went there and did it. And you get zero items in the Star Trek store Oof, for the Defiant, uh, which just seems like a travesty. So um, we got we to see what we can do to get that fixed. And uh, Mr. Garcia seems like the, uh, the fine person to take the charge on that one. But, buddy, thank you again so much for everything. Uh, and for taking us through this season. Uh, you're the greatest, and we love you, man. Um, don't know how we could do it without you. I appreciate it, guys. Even even with my few mistakes, uh, I loved being here. And uh, I enjoyed my last time here, as uh, I've been informed. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, uh, you know, no. don't, uh, don't, don't get too comfortable, because this episode hasn't been published yet. It could still be deleted. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have you... <laughs> yeah, well, you know, when you get Norman Lau, you know, what can I do? Uh, we're going to have you hold on for a sec as we wrap things up here, Dan. Uh, speaking of thanks, Mr. Davidson, uh, Dan Prime, we would be ultimately remiss if we didn't thank Five Year Mission. They are so amazing and they give us such great music to use in the podcast every single week. We want everyone to head on out to fiveyearmission.net, download all their albums. I mean, we are huge, huge fans of Five Year Mission, and so many people reach out to us and say, hey, we discovered five-year mission because of you. So get all their albums, download their music, do it somehow, but get those guys in your ears. You know, we talked about it at the beginning of the show, Bill, uh, when we did the fan set spot, Christmas is right around the corner. As this episode is being listened to by our, our, our dozen of listeners. Um, <laughs> and, you know, go to, go to the website. You know, I know that Star Trek fans would love these albums for Christmas, um, I, there might be some podcast hosts who still have a couple albums left to get, um, in order to, uh, be part of the five-year mission, you know, history of listening to great music. So, so check them out <sighs> guys. I'm just, that finale was horrible. It, it was, it was gut wrenching. It was a devastating loss. No one could have expected the leader of the band's most hated rival to show up backstage at that concert. <laughs> and brutally murder and kill our favorite drummer. Oh, but it was a prophecy that uh, that could not be ignored or forgotten, I guess. So it was it was a gut punch of a season finale. That tears of the prof arcs. It was oh, I just, really really that that's what you brought to the table. Maybe it's because you've been ill for the last 10 days. Uh, I'm going to really try to excuse it based on that level. But um, that was do you want to talk about putrid that was one of your weakest farkisms ever by the way merry christmas i know oh you're welcome uh dan as we pull this train into the uh end of the station to close out the year coming up soon we've only got a couple of new episodes left um we are going to come back to the theater skip it well next week with an old friend 
Yes, yes, indeed we are, Bill. Uh, as you said, as we draw near the end of 2018 and the 25th anniversary celebration of our beloved DS9, we're going to be joined by one of our favorite people in the whole world, Mr. Norman Lau, and we will rate the final episode, or excuse me, the final season of Deep Space Nine in our final See It or Skip It of the Year. And believe me, you do not want to miss it. Next week on Trek Geeks your independent Star Trek podcast. Oh, thank you, Ruck. I really appreciate that. Of You're course, uh, we want to remind... <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. I'm sorry, I stepped on your line. Uh, we want to remind everyone that for more great Star Trek discussion, you can check out the Tricorder Transmissions online at thetricordertransmissions.com. So many Star Trek podcasts. And in fact, they're adding more people to host them over there, uh, which is very exciting. I'm... I'm they got so much great content, you are guaranteed to find something out there you love. So that's the tricordertransmissions.com. And of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek CEO, check out our dear friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode 162 of the Trek Geeks podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. That is the equation. Resistance cancels out coconut. I want something to cancel out coconut because coconut sucks. Ugh. What? D- uh. Say goodnight, Dan. Goodnight, Dan. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They are writing one song for each episode of the original series. Download their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producer Bill Smith. For even more Star Trek discussion, check out Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery Companion, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and DiscoveringTrek.com. Bing bong! Bah! You sound, you sound like Dan Garcia looks. I'll tell you what, man, this week has been brutal. Hello, uh, Mr. Garcia. Hello. Oh, Dan's <laughs> on the outtake too? Yeah, yeah, he's here. He's here. Hi, 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 Dan. Great to have you. Uh, hello. <laughs> Notice that uh, we're keeping that video off so yes. you don't see my 730 in the morning face, and I appreciate that. I, what time not as much up? as we do. What time did you get up to uh, to attend to this uh, luxurious recording today? Oh, well, let's see. Uh, we started at 7.30, and the wife woke me up at 7.20. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's, here's the real question. Uh, is she still in bed? No, she's in the kitchen about 10 feet from me reading her phone. Oh, that's so sweet. We love her. She's so amazing. Yeah. She's, yeah, the, it, she's the best Garcia around. That she's the only Garcia that we love. <laughs> I can understand that she's a better person than I am. Yeah, Aww. yeah, by far, by nope. far. Don't be so hard on yourself. You're a tremendous <laughs> slouch. <laughs> <laughs> we had a late late night last night. We had our Star Trek Adventures RPG game, so our nice. uh, house was full of guests, and I proceeded to not kill any of their characters last night which they appreciate <laughs> so so is this like D for star trek sure is oh nice. wow that's kind of neat yeah they are they are running a campaign the my uh, my one friend is the ceo and the wife is 
the XO, the executive officer, and uh, they are currently, <laughs> so we started the campaign and they were getting their butts handed to them by all the NPC ships. So yeah. I had to modify the campaign. So they have a, they have an Akira class vessel with a modified uh, weapons pod, little weapons pods on the back of the ship. And it has docking clamps and they have a section 31 defiant that cloaks and docks there and they fly around all normal and shoot bad guys. And then they go on secret section 31 missions by launching their defiant that nobody knows about. Oh, wow. That's that's pretty cool. If memory serves, I think that Dayton Ward wrote some of the storyline for this game. Uh, I think he does have input. He did have input. I have the book next to me. I had to pull it out, but yeah. Yeah, there are several things in the book and I have, I mean, most of it's a uh, native campaign that I wrote, but there's some things I've, I've twisted around and modified, but uh, they enjoy themselves. I mean, one That's minute really they're cool. all like, go Federation. Everything's happy. Go lucky. And the next minute it's, Oh, look, now we're going to go over here and uh, sneakily take technology with our cloaky ship. Sneakily and cloaky. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah, uh, our, our, our captain's a little uh, shoot first, ask questions later. So I had to give him something to, to use to shoot and, and, and tinker with his, his methodology without breaking the Star Trek rules. So that's why I gave him the Section 31 modified Akira-type uh, vessel. Uh, Mr. Davidson, I don't think you're in any position to give anyone crap about the words they come up with on the fly. That's why I said it, dummy. dummy i'm gonna start okay so i got two dans on this recording so i think that i'm gonna refer to davidson as dan prime and i'm gonna refer to garcia as mirror dan nice how do do we like this well no i i do currently have a little bit of facial hair because the wife prefers that when i do parties and stuff in my suits so so uh yes he is older than me so he can be prime (laughs) (laughs) he's not that much older than you is he hey one day is just as good as five years that's true it's like well he's two weeks you're he's two weeks older than me so i mean i'm not the oldest yeah you are you are okay it just means he's got one step closer to you know the final resting place than the rest of us (laughs) (laughs) only if we're lucky (laughs) only if we're lucky wow so, so Dan, for the record, we'd like to state that you were at least the 15th most favorite admin at Camp Kittimer. Um, yeah, I was the replacement after, like, the previous 14. And you well, guys... there, were, there were a whole bunch of people who said no. Yeah, uh, I figured that. Yeah. <laughs> and one of them was Dan Prime. <laughs> because he didn't want to do a Facebook group initially. Right. Um, because, you know all the work and all the trolls and all that stuff. But I think you were at least at, at the number 15 or 16 slot on the people we could ask board. Congratulations. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate it. However, <laughs> you know, sometimes I don't make it easy for you, you two. So it's okay. Oh, don't, it I, don't, it I it. It. don't I know it? Don't I know it? It's choir, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, the, I'm, I'm sometimes the voice of unreason, but it's okay. Right. Yes. So, Bill, I have an unrelated question that I wanted to bring up in this morning's conversation before we begin. Yes. And that was the uh, tete-a-tete between you and my lovely bride over Christmas vacation last night. 
I wouldn't even call it a tete-a-tete. Um, she just <laughs> said she liked it or she hated it. And I'm like, what? Yeah. And that was really all it came to. I know. I thought it was um, fun to watch, though, especially uh, your inconceivable. It didn't really go on very long. I know. I told her to stop it. Why does she hate it? I don't <laughs> she know. told her to stop it. Like, she's going to listen to you. <laughs> um, I don't think she likes that type of humor um, as much as, as you and I do. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, she she won't watch Breaking Bad because it's too stressful. So she has those those levels of, of what she will and will not appreciate. And, and Chevy Chase humor, I think, is one of the things that she will not appreciate. So. We're going to have the hap, hap, happiest Christmas since Bing yeah. Crosby tap dance with Danny FNK. Absolutely. I love, love the movie. That. I, oh, it's one of my favorites. I think it's fantastic. And how she did you did, like our shirts last night? She did like the shirts. She thought the shirts were pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know, Margot. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Uh, Mirror Dan, do you have a favorite Christmas movie? Mm, I like a lot of the classics when my uh when my dad used to show me them but yeah. it's, it's uh, like the lemon drop kid he used to have vcr tapes that wow. had two you know like oh, 50s yeah. 40s yeah. christmas movies and we would watch it the, i mean the, to be honest with you there was the most modern one he had was uh jacqueline smith uh one one from the 1980 like 83 84 but otherwise it was all uh, uh, bob hope and uh bing crosby and he'd go through them just about every year. He'd start about mm, the 16th or 17th and then play all the way through the 25th. So wow. I don't know. I think Lemon Drop Kid is probably one of my favorites. But, wow. you know, that is not, that is, you know, nowadays that's not commonly known Christmas movie. No, not at all. In fact, I, I last heard of it maybe decades ago. Hmm. What yeah. What's that? What about you? What's yours? Uh, it has to be White Christmas. Okay. And I really only came into loving that one about 18 or 20 years ago. I went down at my sister's house in Georgia, and they had put it on like the day after Christmas. And I had never seen it before. And I was just, I mean, I love Bing Crosby. I love Danny Kaye. I love Rosemary Clooney. And she is fantastic in this movie. And it's just, it's it's awesome. And at the end, you start to get the feels like, is it, is it dusty in here? Or is it just me? Um <laughs> You know, so but it's just it's so classic. I got to see it on the big screen a few years ago as part of the uh, the 60th anniversary of the movie, and uh, it was it was just as good, if not better, than the first time I saw it. So nice, cool. What about you, uh, it's a toss up depending on the mood. Um, a Christmas Story, which Sue got me into about a dozen years ago, I had never seen before then, which I absolutely love and can watch like watch it, rewind it, so to speak, quote unquote, and then watch it again, and. Interestingly enough, I think The Holiday is a fantastic film. I don't know that one. It's yeah, it's a newer familiar. one. It's got um, Cameron Diaz, Jack Black, um, the girl from Titanic, whose name is escaping me right now. Kate Winslet? Um, yeah, Kate Winslet. And Cameron Diaz is an L.A. movie trailer writer, and Kate Winslet is in London. And they swap houses for two weeks because they want to get away from where they are. It's a romantic comedy, but it's it's really well done. And the guy who plays Dumbledore in the new Fantastic Beasts is is in it as well. It's really good. So you you punch a couple of items on the list. You got a rom com and you got a Christmas movie. Um, yeah. that, that, what about Love Actually? Do you like that one? I haven't seen it in a long time, but I do remember when I saw it, I really enjoyed it. I gotta watch it again. Bill Nye's in that, so I would love to see it anyway, because he's awesome. 
Not the science oh, guy. Oh, the other guy. Oh, right, right. The other guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, guy, the guy you love from uh from Underworld and Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, I forgot he was in Underworld. That's right. Yes. Victor. Oh, Victor. Victor. You're all, you're almost very Bill Sadler there. Oh, thank you. That's a that's quite a compliment. Well, I, I mean not in, more I'm I'm more ruck today though. Not you know. in not in looks because Bill Sadler is a pretty hunky guy, but he is. I did not remember this, but when you guys had that conversation with him, I pulled up his IMDb page yeah. and realized he was death in Bill and Ted. Totally. Absolutely he was. He sunk his battleship. Yeah, I was like, holy crap. Yeah, I I mean, I, I forget how old that movie is. That movie's coming up on 30 years old now, and it just means we're getting older. So, uh, Speak for yourself. I, I plan to never get old. Too late. Um, wow. Yeah. All right, boys. You ready to do this? Let's do this. Ready. We'll have some fun, right. yo. Here we go. Coconut. 